Welcome to Navigating Change, the education podcast from Tybal Inc. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here once again with Howard Tybal. We are both having a similar start of a crazy day, aren't we? It's an Eeyore day, Howard. You told me that, and it's funny because I'm I'm having that same kind of trouble getting started, wanting to go back to bed, but I'm already out. I already had my coffee. That's my central frustration. First, my wife's running out the door, and she drops her travel mug, throws coffee all... I mean, it's on the walls. It's in the in on all over the furniture. It's on the, all over the floor. I had to clean that up. And then I sit down uh, to, to pour my own coffee. I pour spoiled cream uh, into my coffee. On the, on the old SNL routine. I hate when that happens. I hate it when that happens. So I hate, I hate when the things... Were- going to talk about happen right but, <laughs> I nice was that I, good I, I that was really good you're getting so good at this Howard. i'm trying uh i i can't wait to hear you talk about this we're gonna you know i'm gonna spin it positively having the courage to build an exceptional team no that's not that's not the conversation pete the conversation is how do you get rid of dead weight <laughs> See, I said it. Eeyore, that's the Eeyore version of this conversation. Now, you know, I'm tired of being always positive. Let's talk, <laughs> Let's say what it really is. Tell it like it is. Well, here's what's interesting about this question about building the right team. We are we are so good at coming up with euphemisms and ways of talking about having the right team. Oh, for crying out, we love metaphor. For well, this whole Jim Collins thing about, you know, getting the right people on the bus. I can tell you, I'm speaking more and more with folks who are saying to me, that's not my problem. <laughs> <laughs> my problem is not that. My problem is I have 95% of the people I want, but I have a few that really need to get off the bus. Yeah. And I need to figure out how to get rid of some people. Now, what's interesting, even using that language, believe me, I know how hard that is to hear. I also know if anybody listening is a person who has people that work for them, you think about this all the time. There's no way around this. We don't like to talk about it. We like to use euphemisms like downsizing. Oh, no, no, no. That's a, that's an okay one. Right-sizing. That's the one that gets me. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. Down, see, you even have it. Oh, yeah. No, I've got this one. What do we do about the dead weight on our teams? Well, that's right. So this is this is the question for those leaders who are committed to building great exceptional teams. What do they need to do? This is this is more than just euphemism. This is about getting the conversations that, as you say, we know people are having in their heads, getting those out loud. It may be acceptable to have a good team. Nobody wants to admit this, right? If I went around a room and publicly, is it okay that you have an adequate or average team? Nobody would ever (laughs) say, yeah, that's fine with me. But the truth is, behind closed doors, if we think about what we're really doing, for most of us, it's okay to have an average team. Publicly, we want to come off like this is all really important to us, but really, we don't demonstrate the behavior to really do exceptional, we should tell the truth about it. And we're going to talk a little bit about what it means if you really are committed, what you need to be able to do and what you need to be prepared to do. I think that's a great question. And it, it really uh, addresses something that I've been thinking about for a while. I listened to Kai Rizdahl interviewing the CEO of think it was United Airlines, and he asked the same question to every CEO, you know, is it okay to, uh, you know, what's what's next? Is it okay to just continue doing what you're doing? And his response, as is the response of all CEOs and institutional leaders was, no, grow or die, grow or die, right, right. grow or die. It, 
And, you know, I went online and I was looking at some quotes from different leaders and there's all the classic, you know, right things to do, address the situation individually, have the conversation. And then here's here's my favorite. Fire them. You don't have time for BS. Your team certainly doesn't have time for BS. If employees become a problem, that means they're not a long term fit. The first moment you realize that, let them go. Carrying dead weight eventually hurts your entire staff and can endanger your relationships with your superstars. Everybody who has people that work for them would nod their head yes. The challenge is, how do we do this? Especially in organizations where there are rules, right? You cannot fire somebody because you don't like the way they look or they like the way they dress. And this whole idea of firing for cause. There are things you can do, but I think it starts with courage. And that's where I want to start in this is that you need to prepare, be prepared to first be willing to give up good. Mm-hmm. I think there's something about having a warm body in the seat to get stuff done that for most of us is acceptable. Oh, I love that you just said that. You know, I had a director who came to me. We were having this conversation about warm bodies. We just need to fill these spots. And this director stands up and he says, you know what else is warm? Compost, rotting dirt. (laughs) That's also warm. It is disruptive to take somebody who is getting things done and move them out and then have this gaping hole because you need someone to get things done. What you have to be willing to do is be willing to accept that kind of disruption. You don't know if the next person is going to show up in a way that's going to really blow you away. So there's a bit of a on faith that you can actually do this and you need to be willing to give up having somebody just filling a spot if you want to build a team. I think the truth, though, is most of us believe, and maybe there's an element of truth around this, that if 80% of our people are exceptional and 20% of our people are good, or maybe 15% are good, and 5% are horrible, am I going to really see a return on investment if I invest in that 15% to really turn the needle? Right. And I, and I think most people's calculation is no. Then you meet somebody who has an exceptional team and you go, holy cow, yeah. what a difference it makes. So, so this is then the big question. How do you suss out what you need from the role beyond just what you're allowed to put in the job description? That's perfect. I think we need to, as leaders, managers, need to know ourselves well enough to know what we expect from the role. And as you said, it's not about what's in the job description. See, the job description says what they're doing at their seats, the tactics, the actual work itself, which Mm -hmm. is not the job. I think most of us want somebody that's going to emotionally appeal to us. That's that's in the end what makes the difference is that our reaction is we love that person in that seat. We love working with them. The kinds of things that do not show up on job descriptions are things like optimism. Is this person proactive? Can they, as I'm always looking for from people who work for me, can they read my mind? Now I'm being sarcastic about that, right? Most managers actually have this false view that the person in those seats should be able to read their mind. And on some level, reading their mind is really about that you can anticipate my needs, that you've got energy and enthusiasm. The key is you really have to know your likes and dislikes and filter for that when you go interview people. And those need to be part of the conversation. Something I did recently 
that I think is really playing out is we were really clear going into this new job that we were going to take a window of six months and we were going to, at that six-month window, we were going to step back and say if it was working for both of us. Now, not everybody's willing to do it. I had somebody who I set, who I was interested in actually turn that down. They said, no, I, I need to know that this is my job. And regardless of what you discover about me, we're not going to then be in a position where you'd say, you know what, this isn't working out. But I'll tell you, I'm discovering there's such power in, in being in a position that knowing the two of us are going to be able to look back six months from now or six months from the start date and have a conversation should we move forward. It gave me permission to experiment with him. It gave him permission to step into it. And it's working great. Let's talk about how you actually move into this sort of new way of thinking, right? What is it that you, you need to be able to do as a leader yourself? What kind of behavior do you need to condition in yourself to be able to attract these kinds of people? Well, you know, this gets back to courage. So the courage to give, and there's this concept out there called radical candor, and we're going to share the video that talks about radical candor. You need to be able to give the kind of feedback that gives the person the opportunity to step up. Nine times out of 10, if I'm working with, if I'm coaching or advising a team or a leader, I know I'm going to hear something about a person when we're talking about their organization. And next thing I know, I ask a question and they stand up, they walk in the door, they, cl they, they close the door. Because what they're about to tell me is something that they don't know how to talk about with the person. And they get into this conversation about here's my problem. It's a bit of venting. But I think the key thing we have to develop is the ability to speak directly to this person. And what the, the cool thing about radical candor and this Kim Scott concept is it really deconstructs it in two ways. One is looking at it from the point of view of being able to challenge somebody directly. The, the terminology is challenged, but speak directly. Mm -hmm. And the second way of thinking about this, or the second element of it is that you care personally about the person. If you think about two scales, right? One scale moving from being completely indirect to being direct, right? So talking about somebody behind their back versus talking directly to them and the whole scale of doing that. And the other scale is I don't care about you at all and I care about you deeply. That's the vertical axis. That's the vertical yeah. axis. If you think about what allows you to really have positive impact is that you both care about the person and they know that and that you're willing to speak directly to them about what doesn't work. And that's the quadrant that she talks about, which is called radical candor. These three other quadrants, so if you think about it this way, I have the ability to challenge directly and I don't care about you. That comes off in a really negative way. that That's like an aggressive behavior. She calls that obnoxious aggression. I like that. Exactly. So what this speaks to for some of us, some of us are really good at being direct. Some of us are really good at building relationship. What she's talking about is we have to find a way to do both well. And if we build relationship and we also speak directly, we have a greater likelihood we're going to be able to talk to somebody in a way where they can actually have the opportunity to step up and succeed. Any of these other behaviors, I don't care at all, but I'm really aggressive. Let's say I care a great deal, but I'm not direct. That comes off as 
the classic being nice, right? Sparing somebody's feelings. Right. That's caretaker behavior, right? Yeah. Exactly. Caretaker behavior. So one of the things I'm pointing out here as we deconstruct this idea around building exceptional teams or getting rid of dead weight is before you do that, you've really got to ask yourself if you're part of the problem. Yeah. I'll tell you right now, you are part of the problem. And the reason you're part of the problem is because you're, you have yet to develop, and I think we're all on this continuum, of how do we speak directly to somebody to give them a chance to step up as opposed to having building frustration about somebody and then finding ourselves stepping back and then they've got no opportunity to succeed. Well, I want to throw in one other thing just for you to think about that just occurs to me right now, and it's based on our conversation we had about generational differences. It almost feels like there needs to be a third axis, a Z-axis on this graph that is how much you care about the work or the mission. Mm-hmm. Because right, So let that sink in a little bit. What, what would that look like if if you have to have a conversation with somebody who is where you're you're challenging them directly, you care deeply about them, but they don't care about the work at all. It's not spoken to, but it's implicit in this in this model. But I think you're right. I think that most times we underestimate that the people we hire uh, either are not connected to the mission mm-hmm. because we haven't helped them step up, or sometimes, and this this is sometimes why we don't have people that we're happy with, is that they're there. In some cases, I would say more more exception than the rule to get a paycheck. If you're hiring people because they need a job versus they're connected to what you're doing, they want to grow. I mean, clearly, you need to hire people who actually are willing to grow. If you have people that fall into that category of I need a job and that the mission is not really the reason I'm here – you're at risk of no matter how candid you are, you are, you're going to find yourself having difficulty having them step up. So I think to your point, to weave this in, you need to be paying attention to, do they speak the language of the business? You just described why I think it's so important to make this an explicit addition to the model that says, you know, we're in a different time and and understanding how people relate to the mission is an important factor in this equation. Absolutely. I say that as a point of transition because we're going to be talking uh, in the next couple of episodes a little bit more about this with some folks who have some great perspectives. We're going to do this sort of as a mini-series, right? We're going to do three of these podcasts on this topic of getting rid of dead weight. But remember, publicly, you've got to talk about it as building exceptional teams. (laughs) But behind closed doors on this podcast, we all know what we're talking about. So I was leading an event and And uh, at a break, an individual told me a quick story about a senior person at Harley-Davidson told a story about what it means to cut people who are dragging the boat down. And he's got this metaphor that really conveys this idea that if you have the courage to cut people who are hanging off the back, you will build momentum. So we're going to have Larry Levine on talking about that concept. And it's a really nice metaphor to think about who you have on your team. And then I was at a uh, public research institution and I was on a break and talking to one of the deans of uh, the medical school. And at the break, I was asking him about his career and he was a pediatrician and he still practices but he's a dean. And he was, you know, being a dean is very different. He's, so what do you like about it? He goes, well, I'm really good at firing people. And at first I thought, 
he was kidding. And I, you know, I did my, so tell me more. What I got from him is that he has a way of doing it that people walk away feeling taken care of. It's all about bedside manner, man. Well, not all doctors have good <laughs> bedside manner. Because I asked him, how do you do it? And he said, I, I had HR in the room. The person left and gave me a hug. The person from HR said, how did you do that? And his response was, I don't know. Yeah. So it's one of these unconscious behaviors that he does well. Yeah. And I said, I'd love to talk to you about this. And I think he he will have some ideas for people listening to this who may struggle with being that kind of direct. Perfect. That seems like a, a, this is going to be a great little mini series, Howard. I like this this idea, even if it's a, if it started a little bit of Eeyore. Yeah. Well done, sir. Have you had your coffee? Yeah. You have had your coffee, right? Uh, should I not mention coffee not today? Funny. Every time too I soon. mentioned it. Too soon. Howard. I did see a stand on your wall in the back. Is that where it happened? I don't want to talk about this. All right. Let's not bring it up. Thank you, everybody, for downloading and listening to this show. Don't forget, you can listen for free right at tybalinc.com. Subscribe for free in iTunes or just click the blue button on the website. You'll join our mailing list and we will send you a note every time a new uh, podcast episode is released. You don't want to miss a single one of those. Thanks, everybody, for downloading. On behalf of Howard Tybal, I'm Pete Wright, and we'll catch you next time on Navigating Change, the education podcast from Tybal Inc.